place that uh, made nerd cool. The most popular password in the United States is password123. Those are some of my previous passwords. Who on earth would actually fall for that? Sensitive information has been given to the wrong hands. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Security Repo. So I'm really happy uh, that we have a special guest with us today, which is Will Kelly. And also, uh, we have a new permanent fixture on the podcast, which is uh, my partner in crime now, Dwayne McDaniel. Uh, so, uh, Will, I'll, I'll start with you. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and your background? And, of course, welcome. Oh, thank you, Mackenzie. My name is Will Kelly. I'm a freelance writer focused on DevOps and the cloud, among many things. I'm a correspondent for Red Hat's opensource.com, and my articles about DevOps and cloud frequently appear on, on, on TechTarget. Prior to that, I worked in marketing for, for two startups and got my start as a technical writer on development and solution architecture teams. And I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Well, it's, it's awesome to have you here. And uh, you know, you're going to bring some interesting insights to us. And Dwayne, as your first time on uh, this podcast officially, uh, could you give us a little bit of a rundown about you and your background? Thanks very much, Mackenzie. I'm excited to be here. And thanks for your being the guest on my premiere episode, Will. Very excited to have you as well. Um, so I'm Dwayne McDaniel. Uh, I live in Chicago. I uh, work for GitGuardian. I'm a developer advocate, same as Mackenzie. Um, so you'll see me out there speaking at various events around the world, uh, mostly in the U.S., though. Uh, you can find my writings on our blog. I've been writing a lot since I joined the company uh, and putting together things like this. So very excited. I'm learning a lot. Um, while I've been a DevRel since about 2015, I've just given a lot of talks on a lot of subjects. I'm fairly still fresh to the security world. I've talked a lot about security in past talks, but to live in it day in, day out, breathing it, it's a, there's a lot to learn. So it's a very exciting ride. Um, I'm just happy to be here. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, uh, that's part of the reason why we do the podcast is because um, uh, I'm, I'm selfish and I want to learn about different areas of security too, and why not broadcast it? So we're all here learning. But one thing that I'm, I'm excited, and specifically to kind of dive into a little bit with Will, because I've read some of your, your articles, um, particularly on the Red Hat sites, you've, you've spoken a lot about DevSecOps. So this is a fairly new term, right? We love acronyms in security, and sometimes acronyms get thrown around by marketing companies to try and make it up. But what, in your perspective, what is DevSecOps? I look at DevSecOps two ways. The first way is if you have an enterprise that has already made moves into DevOps, bringing their development teams and operation teams together and breaking down those silos, it's bringing security into that, into that DevOps lifecycle and processes. So it's automated scanning, it's scanning code at rest, it's scanning in production, it's security at every phase. It was a part of the DevOps discussion that was missing in the early days, unfortunately. If you look, the second way I look at it is for companies that are moving from traditional waterfall software development lifecycle or ad hoc lifecycles they built themselves. It's moving to a more iterative lifecycle following DevOps principles 
and putting in security at each step of that process to ensure that they're releasing secure and compliant software on a regular cadence. Right. So it's kind of an evolution of DevOps. Is it, is it hard to kind of, we're talking about just kind of what is DevSecOps? Is this something that like smaller companies, startups, or should be focused on to grow from? Or is it something that like larger companies can, should be trying to adapt and change a little bit? Like who, what, what's the conversation geared at here? The conversations I've, I've been privy to along the way through the course of articles and some other projects have been, first of all, to take a step back, I see that DevSecOps is going to subsume the DevOps conversation entirely in the next couple of years. Smaller startups that are starting from scratch are ideal candidates just to move straight to a DevSecOps model. Even the federal, and if you look at large enterprises, even the federal government and parts of the Department of Defense have moved to DevSecOps models for, for that continuous release of secure software. Granted, larger enterprises have the resources, the people, the funding for training, and, and the addition of new tools. So they're probably going to be in positions where they're starting small and expanding out. A couple of teams are going to move to a DevSecOps model. They're going to build on those successes internally. They're going to sell those successes. And then if everything works right, that's how adoption picks up across a large enterprise. Really interesting. Um, you would say new organizations just need to start with this. Uh, could you talk a little bit about like why you think that is, the um, real advantages over this uh, this approach versus you know starting small, starting you know traditional ways. Let's take a let's take a traditional Series A startup for for example. You may have thirty or forty people, ten or fifteen developers, if not a little bit more. You have a clean slate. You're still small, but you also have two big challenges on top of you. One is Customers now are expecting secure software. You're putting in those security practices to, to your development lifecycle on day one, while you're also still maintaining your delivery velocity. I think the days are gone for everybody where security is the last stop on the development lifecycle train before release. There's just too much going on right, right now as far as attacks as far as vulnerabilities that are out there in open source code and proprietary code, the, that speed of release, that continuous scanning, that's the, fu that's the future in, in my eyes. That makes perfect sense for you know, more of the green fields of smaller organizations. And I think this leads into one of the questions we wanted to get into um, was around really how to get to that culture of, of DevSecOps, um, especially in larger organizations, because you mentioned the like, federal government, very large organizations are starting to adopt this. Um, how, it, how do we go about that, uh, it, go about the it, process of adopting this culture? I, I, I'm not going to say that it's, it's challenging, guys, but the, the, the challenge is 
you have to split them up between culture and practices and and technology. If if you look at a large enterprise such as parts of the United States Air Force, it's been started on one major project, and, and then they build upon those successes. What, whether you're a federal government agency or you're a large enterprise, you need to have that DevSecOps champion, somebody at the, at least the executive level. And that's going to be somebody that has the most to gain or lose because of DevSecOps. We'll take, for example, um, you could have a, a DevSecOps champion that could be your VP of sales or or another customer facing role because that person may have had deals escape their hands because security was not there. You may have the traditional ally of the CISO who is, has more pressure now for security and compliance over their internal systems and the software that's being released than ever before. You, you have the people down at the development teams. I'm not even talking at, at, the, at the director level. The, the people who are down there doing the work who are looking for better ways of doing things. They've either been burned because of security vulnerabilities in, in the past, or they're being forced to do more with less. So they need to put in the automation. They need to put it in, in the practices where um, security is part of that development train. There's also, you have to look at the traditional security versus developer cultures that are out there. I, I think we've all been in organizations where the security team was the department of no, or the security team was siloed off sometimes by design or just by internal politics. That part of that DevSecOps culture is bringing them further into the development life cycle than they've ever had been before. Some organizations are going to have resource issues and staffing. That's when you put in the tools to be able to give your security team a view in the what's going on as far as vulnerabilities and issues going on in the development life cycle. That's where automation comes in. That's where the reporting comes in. That's where making security part of day one of your project is essential for, for, for moving to DevSecOps. It's also bringing in that training for secure coding and other security best practices to your developers. It's not, the intention should not be to have your developers double as your security team. It's to build the complementary skill sets where your security team and your development teams can work better together and closer than they've ever had before. I found in my technical writing days that sometimes a lot of teams just don't talk to each other. <laughs> where, really? No, no way. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, I know I'm not telling you guys what you already, already don't know, but I'm saying it also in the sense of, it's a lot of people who don't understand what, what another team's jobs are. And, 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 and it was a classical thing I always thought when I was a technical writer. It would be like, 
oh, I'm a developer. I don't want to go talk to him. Send the technical writer. Whether it was a review of documentation, whether it was interviewing them to get their information for a, for, for a document. One hand didn't know what the other hand was doing. And DevSecOps can help relieve that inside enterprises. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. It's going to be something that you're going to have to build that internal constituency, those internal champions at all levels, start on those smaller projects and build out. And you're giving both teams tools and processes and practices to relieve some of that increasing pressure that the current era of security and compliance is bringing down on large and small enterprises in the commercial and public sector alike. There's there's so much in that that uh, that was 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 fantastic. I'm going to dive into a couple of them, but you know, just at the end, you're talking about si you know siloed teams. One thing that I've really found is that teams that are siloed often don't even know that they're siloed because they haven't been in an environment where people actually talk together. So, you know, like they, they, they don't even, uh, they, they don't even kind of know what the possibility is, but I, I want to go back to the start of, of, of what you were saying in that. Now you're talking about a champion, a DevSecOps champion. And what I want to kind of, uh, ask you now is if we're that champion, now, we may be an executive, we may be in the sales team, as you said, we may be a developer or product manager, we, we could be anyone. So what, what are the fundamental steps that we can do to start championing internally for DevSecOps to bring, to bring awareness? How, how, do we, how do we shift the conversation so it actually gets to someone that can start implementing change as a culture? You have to first start at recognizing your current and future security challenges. That, that your teams are facing. We'll say, we'll say, let's take an example of one of your competitors has suffered a, vuln a vulnerability or a breach. It could happen to you, it could happen to everybody. That is an arrow you need to put in, in your quiver. You have to be very conscious of where security trends are going in your vertical market. You, you have to be able to tie those to business. By business, I mean, if we move to more secure development practices, that's gonna, that's gonna help us reach more security and compliance conscious customers, becomes part of our customer story. Also, you have to look at the cost that your company is going through for security and compliance programs. If we're being proactive and taking care of a lot of stuff during the development life cycle, it should be less work to do by the time the auditors come. You have to look at the reporting and the information that you can deliver to your executives, your CISO, your CTO. So when word comes down from the executives or the board, we want to know about we want to know about the vulnerabilities in, in your software. We want to know about the, the current state of, of security. You can tell them a story, and especially if you have the reporting tools in place from the day your project starts until it goes into production 
and every release after that. You, you have to find the proactive nature of your organization, which can be hard. And I've seen that not work. And when I've seen it work, it's been tying it to money and business. And sometimes that, and sometimes that can be hard if you're on the development team side, but if you have contact with somebody in sales, if you have contact with somebody in product, those are the allies you build into that sort of team of champions that gets the move to DevSecOps noticed by your executives and the people who can sign the purchase orders. Yeah, I liked what you're saying about the arrow in the quiver. And and then when you start building these allies, I guess you call them, I mean, everyone has different arrows in their quiver. The sales teams are going to be able to provide you with information about where security is letting them down in that sales cycle. You bring in the recent news stories of a competitor. I mean, like you got to take advantage of those critical moments, <laughs> you, know, you know, that that you can actually move because everyone's starting to think it. We've all seen the meme, right? The, the data, the the security budget before a breach, the security budget after the breach, you know, but that doesn't have to be your breach. This has to be a breach. Right. You know, it could be someone else's breach. Exactly. Um, and then starting to bring on, that makes a lot of sense, starting to bring on these people. Because we had a question that I've written down is like, how do you get exec buy-in? And I think you answered that a lot going down there because, you know, it's about building up building up enough of a story across enough of a branch that it's it becomes a no-brainer to do this. Um, yeah, and then I guess to build it out practically in a single project, it's probably, it's probably going to be a journey. You're not going to become... Exactly. I've done a lot of writing on DevOps to DevSecOps transformation. It really ends up being the next step in that DevOps journey. That building of allies comes down to you have to be conscious of what the major stakeholders have to gain if you move to DevSecOps and most of all, what they could lose. And some people are, are, are against fear, uncertainty, and doubt, but, you can't, but there are so many executives that are under even more pressure now because of the current security climate out there. Um, actually, that's a pretty good segue, the current security climate. Because um, one thing we did want to ask you before we... Um, you know, run out of time today, uh, is a look at uh, the su supply chain security or look at supply chain security um, and the role of De DevSecOps in there. I know that's something you've written about, um, something you have some pretty strong opinions about. So I was hoping you could give us a lay of the land on what what even is supply chain security and how DevSecOps works. I think what's really interesting right now is... <sighs> To me, my interpretation and my view of software supply chain security is it's just another extension of DevSecOps practices outside to your, 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 your suppliers. Software supply chain security is big, is really on trend right, right now. Large enterprises have to acknowledge the fact that 
while there's a lot of great work being done out there is a lot of this some some of these series a software security startups aren't going to make it they're not going to make it through the current economic climate a lot i expect that some of those series a startups are going to go away however devsecops practices aren't you're going to want to be assessing the security and trustworthiness of, of the code that's entering your software whether it's open source or whether it's proprietary code from, from a supplier that automation of a DevSecOps toolchain and, and those practices is ideal for, for that. The writing of secure and proprietary code, a move to DevSecOps is already introducing those practices with your developers. It just takes working with suppliers and contractors and vendors that take a similar approach. And working with your supply people and your procurement people to make sure that's part of contracts. Granted, it's not a perfect approach, but software supply chain security in, in the future, I do expect the due diligence of suppliers is only going to increase. There's also that continuous testing and monitoring. That's stuff you're already doing in, in your DevSecOps tool chains. And there's the generation of the software bill of materials that set some people call it a list of ingredients. I equate it to like a bill of materials for a car or a house. You can already automate. There's already DevSecOps tools out there that can automate the generation and monitoring of those bills of materials. So you can see is something being introduced in your software supply chain is not supposed to be there. Uh, just a quick follow-up on that. It's, it's interesting that you talk about the feedback loop between vendor and customer there. Um, almost sounds like an extension of the DevOps philosophy itself, which was really set out to shorten that feedback loop between well, Dev and Ops. But now it's just keep the ball keeps expanding. <laughs> this. It, it, it is. There, there, there's going to have to be better collaboration with vendors. That, that, that might be a culture shock to some corporations. The days of sort of pushing that contractor into a corner and say, stay over there and do your work, that's got to change. And, and that goes both in the government side and in, and in the commercial side. So DevSecOps practices is going to bring more co more collaboration, more granular visibility into your suppliers. That that should be the intended outcome. It's not going to be an overnight transformation. It's going to be something that again, you're probably going to have to start small. You're going to probably have to talk to your most trusted vendors and suppliers and bring them in on your initiatives. Because again, it goes to those vendors have something to gain and something to lose depending on how they follow those practices. How do you, I mean, how do you start that conversation with vendors and how involved? Because that, I mean, like that, that can be dealing with vendors can be, uh, Various different experiences, depending on uh, how much money you're putting out <laughs> and how demanding yes. you are. And 
I think what it comes down what it comes down to, I, I I'm also a believer that DevOps and DevSecOps affects more of the business than just your developer security and your operations people. You have to bring in your technical contact with that vendor. You have to work with your procurement people. If you have a strategic alliances program and those vendors are part of that program is get them involved. We're in a world where where everybody wants to make money. You have to tune it into that. Could some small vendors fall by the wayside? Yeah. It's not a perfect situation, but extending those development practices, there's going to be a lot of controversy out out there through self-attestation. I always get that word mixed up that, that you're following certain practices. That's why you want to start small with your most trusted vendors and build out. Build those allies, build those alliances, and, and you're going to stumble, you're going to fall with vendors. You, then you see how vested everybody is in that business relationship. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be something that we, we're all going to have to adopt. But I mean, like, there's been a lot of key takeaways here. But I think, um, you know, finding those champions, putting it together, starting small, be able to deliver on, on something and make it part of, uh, you know, an unshakable business proposal to the to the to the to the powers that be you know is is fundamental and then going through those tools of change embracing you know and embracing some different tools and actually making the, the work along the way um yeah i well sorry go for it go for it <laughs> if i look to the future i actually see the legal team and the procurement team playing part-time roles in the future of DevOps and DevSecOps and software supply chain security. People who completely aren't developers are inevitably going to play their supporting roles. And software to, and the future of software supply chain security is where you're going to see it because sometimes the only way to enforce things it is contractually. It's got it. In, in reality, it's pro DevSecOps leg. <laughs> we involve everyone that uh, all the teams that come into it. Um, well, we're running out of time, but it's been really fascinating. Dwayne, do you have any uh, final final questions that you want to 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 fire at Will before we start the wrap up? I mean, I could ask about three or four or more hours of questions to you, Will. It's always nice to talk about someone knowledgeable or talk with someone knowledgeable about these things. Um, it, just a comment, though. Uh, it sounds very much with that that last comment you made about lawyers and procurement, that uh, the worry of security, the um, responsibility of it just keeps expanding and expanding. Is security really just everyone's job at this point? Definitely is everybody's job now. And the evolution of DevOps to DevSecOps to software supply chain security is not just the job of your development teams, your security teams, and your operations teams. It's also the teams outside that support them, like your, like your legal department, like your procurement department, like your strategic alliances people. It's 
security, it makes security is everybody's job and the organizations that get DevSecOps right in, in the future are the ones that are going to acknowledge that full team effort. That's awesome. I think that was one of my favorite questions of the podcast there going through. And that's, and that, that actually describes perfectly where we all need to head and we need to create these, these synchronizations between these silos and kind of decouple the organizations, make it, make it much more, uh, much more broad. So everyone's communicating. That's how we're going to solve the security issues that we're facing mm -hmm. today. Exactly. Well, we'll, uh, I want to thank you again so much for joining in uh, here. I know that you're a prolific contributor to many different, uh, many different areas, but if people want to kind of follow you, read some of your work and dive a bit deeper, what's the best place that they can um, keep, in, keep in contact with you or, or, or what, find some of your work? You can find me on Twitter or LinkedIn. On Twitter, I'm at Will Kelly. And on LinkedIn, um, I would be... It's W-I-L-L-K-E-L-L-Y. Probably would need to edit that. I'm not sure I'm saying that the way you're supposed to. I'm easy enough to find online. Definitely. And I would also recommend, um, if this has been an interesting topic for you, uh, to, to go onto the, the Red Hat blog, where Will uh, contributes a lot to. And there's some great articles specifically around DevSecOps, um, where you will find links to those articles in the descriptions of the, of the show. So, uh, Will, one last time, thank you so much for coming. It's been a very informative uh, conversation and one that I think will generate a much more difficult conversations and one that we hope we can spark within organizations. Uh, so thank you again. Thank you, Beth, for having me. And, and I'd like to thank Amy June Heinlein for hooking us up. And then she's a mutual friend of ours. So thank you, guys. Th this was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm.